This is Cleantech Talk, Clean Technica's podcast series interviewing cleantech leaders from around the world. This episode is being sponsored by Tesla Shuttle. Tesla Shuttle is a city-to-city shuttle service using Tesla vehicles and sometimes other electric vehicles that has routes in the United States, Canada, and Europe. With Tesla Shuttle, you can enjoy luxurious, smooth, and clean intercity transport in the safest cars on the road guilt-free. Book a ride today at teslashuttle.com. Tesla Inside Out is a Clean Technica podcast and video series in which Clean Technica CEO Zach Shahan chats with seven-year Tesla insider David Havasi about interesting, funny, and inspiring Tesla history and Tesla news. You can't find anything else like this online, so be sure to subscribe if you like what you hear. I think the big thing that you know everybody's been sort of crazy about, and we're not going to say how many shares you have, but you have a lot of shares in Tesla because you worked at Tesla for seven years, 2012 when it started, basically. And you, you were going to start off actually right with the... Um, the IPO. There's an anniversary IPO and end of your retirement. Correct. Yeah. I mean, this kind of cosmically, the past week or so has been a culmination of a of a couple a couple anniversaries. Uh, first one being it's it was a decade ago that uh, with uh, that the tes- Tesla went public and that the IPO and I believe it was around seventeen. $17 a share. So now that it's well over a thousand dollars is, um, 10 years later, uh, it's, it's just astonishing. And, um, uh, to kind of reflect on that is just, just really mind blowing. I saw the picture. There's this great picture. A lot of people have been posting it like on LinkedIn, a lot, a lot of my former colleagues of, you know, Elon went to, uh, Nasdaq to ring the opening bell when Tesla went went public the day that you know that it happened, and there's a a little group picture. There's maybe like I don't know, there's like a handful of people, you know, under a dozen people in the picture, and it's it's wild because I I know every single person in that picture, and back then it was just like a group of them like, hey, we're gonna do this. <laughs> now it's like fifty thousand people. So. Um, if I I don't I don't think they would have I don't think in their wildest dreams they would have saw that coming on that day, uh, so that's just amazing that that is a, a decade later here we are, as such an improbable place to be, the uh, just in, just really really incredible it's an incredible incredible story and what that and part of the reason why we do this podcast is to to dive into that story. So to have that anniversary happening, I think is really, really special. Another thing, what, another uh, anniversary of sorts is, is that it was eight years since Model S, first deliveries of Model S took place. And there's that photo, it's kind of an iconic photo going, going around where the, there's the signature red Model S, the back of it, and then all the employees lined up and they're like applauding. Uh, as it's going down, and, and and my buddy Peter Jackson, he's the blonde-haired guy, kind of leaning in uh, in, into the car, <laughs> and it's like so cool because it's like that that that's the quintessential photo of 
really the the birth of Tesla as as a manufacturer, you know, as a as a mainstream manufacturer instead of a boutique with the Roadster, which were kind of one off, and you know, um, where you had this massive facility and cars rolling off the line of this massive facility. Granted, relative to now, they were trickling off the line, but symbolically, it's like we had this huge factory. Um, this is legit. This is this is a huge car factory. We're going to be building a lot of cars out of this thing someday, and they did. Uh, at that time, a lot of people questioned whether they would ever be building a lot of cars out of that factory. But that moment really was the birth of the reality of what we're seeing today. And yeah, uh, one, that one, one of the funny, we've seen the same things circling around, but one of the funny things someone shared on Twitter was that the video on the Tesla YouTube channel of the Model S uh, being shown has like very small number of views, you know, when you consider how much. Uh, how, much, how much people follow Tesla now and at one, one event will pull in like, you know, who knows how many millions of views. And you look at this video of the Model S being shown for the first time, it's got like some small number of thousands of views. I forget how many thousands of views. And you're just like, you know, especially if, I think for those of us, I mean, you were inside and we were covering it since, to, since then. Um, you sort of, everything is a contiguous, you know, story. And then you, you mm -hmm. forget that there's so many people who don't have all of these funny uh, background stories or this history of the company. And it's like, they just came to it in the past year or two. And it's like, it's really hard for me to, to, set it, to try to like think in that space, to try to put myself in that position where I just learned about the company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that brings up another interesting uh, point. The, um, yeah, I think it would do everyone a lot of good to keep scrolling down when you go to like Tesla's, uh, you know, uh, Vimeo or YouTube channels to get to the older stuff. Uh, and one for, uh, uh, cause again, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a sentimental, I'm a sentimental sap. I'm a sucker for sentiment. Uh, one from, because of, from a historical standpoint, you could learn so much from it. And two, it gives you a sense of appreciation of why things are the way they are. And with Tesla, you get these little, they're almost like, time capsules and it's a moment in time where a certain state of mind was prevalent um, both within Tesla and the greater auto industry and energy industry and it's so interesting to juxtapose and also see it develop another cool thing is is seeing Elon say something and in the context that he's saying it it sounds it sounded crazy to a lot of people and then and then in the context of history or now in the context of reflection it's like that guy is brilliant <laughs> you know it's like well he said he was going to do that a long time ago and um and and there are also i think people who think and i always use twitter as an example people were using twitter for a long time i have a lot of like tech inside people that we're using Twitter, and I've mentioned this before, where they're like, oh, it's so cool. And I'm like, oh yeah, but you're only given a couple of characters, like 150 characters, what, what can you do with that? And, that, and now the, you know, the president of the United States uses that as his like, main form of communication to the people. Uh, Elon Musk uses that as his main form of communication to the, to the people. 
so I think with Tesla, it's, it's kind of like that where people think it's like this overnight sensation that it wasn't more than a decade in the making. Now it, it, it went public a decade ago, but there's a story even before that. Uh, a lot of hard work went in. It's not an overnight sensation uh, at all. It's young in, in, the, in the relative space of the auto space, but a lot of legwork happened to, to get to where to get to where it is today and it's just um so yeah it's just it's yeah. fascinating well, to, to look back at that well there's something you know elon's famous for his you know tesla time elon time where he's uh he's you know sort of um his time skills are sometimes too optimistic uh although lately the past year or two he's, they've been actually ahead of schedule on several things the gigafactory in china the model y production but um, but I think that relates to what you were saying is you know you sort of he has he sort of has a time crunch in his head I think where he he sees what's possible and he looks out and he talks about it as if it's coming you know like really soon because it's like he crunches it all in his head the, the time the time frame and so it seems crazy like at a certain moment in time to people who are you know not going through all those steps that he's going through in his head. But as we've seen, you know, in the past five years, you know, the statements that he made that seemed crazy, you know, at one point to a lot of people just came true. Like his, his long-term forecasting is pretty phenomenal. Um, like strangely phenomenal. Like, uh, like he just really nails uh, what's going to happen five years out or something. You know? But, um, uh, you know, autonomy has been a little bit of a challenge with that. But uh, anyway, mm. um, so yeah, I mean, I'll just ask you briefly. We don't have, to, we don't want to talk about the stock too much, but it is crazy that um, Tesla is now more valuable than all the other automakers, than Disney, than uh, ExxonMobil. And I think especially ExxonMobil, it's, it's just stunning to see because they had a big drop in price that went basically parallel to Tesla's big rise in price in the past year. So you look at the chart and it's a stunning crossover that just really happened quickly. Um, and it's just, you know, you think of ExxonMobil being such a giant. Um, so thinking yeah, like back, you know, yeah. Yeah. So thinking back to, you know, early days, you know, when you were starting 2012, 2013, I mean, obviously you weren't focused on how much is my stock going to be worth in seven years. But I mean, are there any thoughts from back then that, you know, come to mind now or any stories that are just, you know, sort of to, to relate to, to where, it, where it is today? Yeah, I mean, I, I always, when I started with Tesla, because my first interview with Tesla was actually right after it went public, is in the fall of uh, 2010. But I didn't actually start working with them until the summer of 2012 for Model, Model, uh, Model S launch program. So when I started, and the, <laughs> it's kind of funny, tes the Tesla basically paid us in stock. Um, we had salaries too. But I always said the stock, they viewed them like, like cocktail napkins back then. So when I started, the stock was like 20, it was $27 when I started and they gave a lot. And I remember thinking, you know, in the optimistic view, if you price it like an automaker, like $45 a share for an automaker would be phenomenal. And so we were thinking like, it could be $50 one day, you guys, like it could, it could double someday and that's kind of where our head was at you know we're like wow so this will become this that's like that's really amazing you know 
and um so now that's you know you know a thousand divided by 27 it is the multiples are 40 <laughs> is that correct it's or so right, high no. that we don't it's so high, so high that 40 times 40x 40x it doesn't even matter yeah it's a lot so so uh, so that's that's really surreal. Um, and again, not to talk about um, talk too much, but what I mean, and another anniversary that absolutely no one will care about is another <laughs> a year ago today, not a year ago today, but a year ago last week. So you had you had you had ten year anniversary of Tesla IPO, eight year anniversary of Model S first deliveries. Um, one year anniversary for little old me of me um, bowing out from Tesla from in, in essence bowing out from from corporate life. Uh, a lot of that was because of my my position and, and it continues continues to be. Um, I don't sell the stock. I, I, I basically do what Elon does where I um, uh, just I'm not dealing with billions. <laughs> yes, but um, I just um, I basically it's when you have a certain amount of something, banks will allow you to open up a, a low, a very low interest line of credit. And then you just draw from it like a money tree. And then you use the low, you lo the low interest rate is kind of of a luxury tax. So basically what I do is I just loan the money for myself at 3% for the rest of my life, um, which is, um, uh, which is really cool. Uh, so that's great. So that's basically what I do. Well, um, and that allows me, but you guys go ahead. I was just going to fact check you. I was, I was going to correct you and say, I care about your, uh, so not, not no one, but I, I do care. I'm sure other people care. But actually, as I was thinking of the joke, I realized, whoa, wait a second. I want to have even this podcast with you if you didn't leave Tesla. So I actually care a lot. Like this is, and I think a lot of people care a lot because, you know, it's uh, it's a gem to get your insight. Um, uh, well, do you want to say anything more about that or should we transition? Well, yeah, I think I have a good transitional thing about it, I, I think. What, what is interesting now is in, investors back then, there's this interesting paradigm shift where I think we're switching from people discovering the stock through the product. So people would go for the test drive. People would ride in their friend's Tesla people would buy the Tesla and then they're like, this product is so amazing. I got to invest in this. And that, I think that was the initial thing, you know, the initial, it, so is they discover the product, then they discover the, the, the stock. And what I think is interesting now is there's this interesting paradigm shift because that can happen too. But now that the Tesla, Tesla's valuation is just has reached this kind of next level, like this in huge inflection point where it's, it's, it has these superlatives attached to it. Like it's the most valuable automaker in the world. It's more, it's value is beyond Exxon Mobil. Like these model, it's beyond Disney. I mean, these things where you're like, like where people who would know nothing about cars and technology they know outside they're like 
Well, now it's backwards. They're like, this stock is amazing. I want to know about the products. And so I think it's going to interestingly sell cars. You, you know, um, people are going to be brought to the cars where before they were brought, maybe brought to the stock from the cars. Now we're going to see people who are like, what is the fuss all about? I, I got to check this out. And then they're going to check it out and go, oh, and then they're going to become customers. Yeah, which why is, is this little automaker worth more than Disney and Exxon? Like, I mean, if I was in that boat where I didn't really know, I was like, well, how is this little automaker worth more? Like, why? Like, I would immediately want to explore the product and find out Correct. what is and it's so kind of, crazy about it. And that's what, like, just like on social media when people are like, you got to try this ice cream. Or, oh, this, this organic bamboo shirts are so smooth. I'm like, I'll be the judge of that. You know, and I try it. And then I'm like, this is amazing. So, but just like that, when you start hearing something about the stock and you're like, and people are like, well, I got to see what all the fuss is about. I'm a big Thing like that people are like this restaurant's great or this this artist is amazing this music art, recording artist is amazing i i want i want to see why they're saying that yeah. you know but then, so, if that, and, and, but then if that artist wins like nine grammys or this movie wins like you know seven oscars then then you're like hey i really need to see like this is not just you know some people talking yeah. like then it's like well there's really something better. here so it's sort of like you really want to see what's behind the the, the crazy appeal of it uh, well, I think, you know, the, the nice thing is it's pushed, it's, it's fulfilled Tesla's mission. I mean, it's pushed the auto industry forward very quickly, uh, much more quickly than it would have. But you can't quantify that, but it's obvious. And I think today there can't be any automaker <laughs> that's sitting there not thinking the future is electric. I mean, you can't, you really can't be in that boat at this stage. Um, so luckily, you know, in Europe, especially, we have almost 10% EV market share this year, which is crazy. Um, big spike in market share at Ford you have team Edison at um, Volkswagen you got the ID lineup they just they just closed they just put the first the last fossil fuel vehicle off of a 116 year old factory uh, so the last fossil fuel vehicle after 116 years of, of companies manufacturing fossil fuel vehicles there and it's going fully electric the, the factory so I, I know you you have friends that work in the industry outside of Tesla and you have a, a little bit you can say about that perhaps yeah, I mean, part of the part of the peace of mind that I got from bowing out at Tesla was the knowing that the inflection point has happened. That in the annals of history, Tesla will forever be known. It's something that will will now never be able to be taken away from Tesla. That they were this catalyst for this massive massive change in the auto and energy sector it, it just it, it there's no going back now because people see that that it's possible and the and the consumer knows that it's possible and it's it's just going to go from here you know the people know there's that choice and they're going to want it you know and so like me other my other colleagues uh want to excel they want to continue acceler accelerating that transition, and a lot of it is is having the other OEMs because we need to democratize the technology and we need to uh, normalize it. And the way to do that is getting the other OEMs up to speed. And so it's almost like um, it's almost like missionary work where you kind of go into these other nations and you show them the light. 
you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and the, some of them are looking for it. And some of them don't really know how the light works and, and you got to just flick the switch for them or <laughs> show them how to pray or whatever. Oh and, um, and the, um, because with, with, with Tesla, particularly where, where I was in the sales and delivery point, the, the, when, when I was the first years that I was there, it was all about innovation from the field. There's this, there's this feedback loop. There still is, but now it's transitioned from innovation to administration. So now it's just about processing the system, processing, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's to, to move the cars. You know, they basically have set up the system. So now it's just administrative. So I think a lot of the early people were used to the innovative part where they wanted to. Oh, you're, you're talking about a lot of the, the staff at Tesla, a lot of the kind of early, correct. especially early staff. The, the early people where, where there was an alchemy, where this alchemy of making something out of nothing, um, uh, solving the solving big problems where you have to create a, a system or an ethos of operation or systems of operation that did not exist before. And Tesla, it's definitely doing that from engineering standpoint, from a software standpoint, um, distribution, all of that. But from a, from a brick and mortar, they've kind of evened out. And we see that at a retail space. It's more just about processing, getting people going, you know, and, and so I think a lot of my colleagues were like, well, let's take the lessons learned from Tesla and, and proliferate it. And I have a lot, of, a lot of colleagues that are at OEMs now. I won't say anything specifically, but that's kind of the, the focus now is picking up where, where Tesla left off from a retail standpoint. So... For example, a huge part of, and actually my, I think my, my commemorative article for Clean Technica, and I swear I'll get it to you soon, Zach. I'm just trimming the fat. It's, it's done. It's just kind of like, I don't want it to be the, too much of a, like the rantings of a madman. I want it to the, be like. The inside you know. joke here is that this, this article is approximately seven months in the making or something, right? What is <laughs> This is, really is. yeah. It's it's like that. It's like that that movie Golden Boys where he writes the book. You just can never finish it. And the editor's like, "Hey, you know, how's the book going?" Yeah, it's going. It's going. Yeah. No, but this um, <clears throat> it's good. It'll be coming. Um, I think once. Yeah, I'll get it before summer break's done. <laughs> when the kid goes back to school. As once the kid goes back to school, off to the races, baby. But for, but for now, it's interesting. Summer's been interesting, particularly this this summer, uh, with everything going on. But um. Um, a lot of that article is about the evangelism, the grassroots evangelism that is needed to stir interest or what was needed and continues, but in, in certain markets to, to stir the enthusiasm and also just the fundamental knowledge of electric vehicles and how they work and, and, and the benefits of them. So uh, letting people know they have that choice and, you know, you know, things like that. So a lot of my colleagues have, they see that opportunity in other, man, in other manufacturers where 
because and and this kind of goes without saying i'm preaching to the choir here but what's going to be challenging for other manufacturers at, at is the re, at the retail level so at the dealership level where they can have an amazing product but the 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 gatekeepers are the dealers which this is an incredible asset for them because the dealership networks are all over the country which is great and they need to leverage that and that's fantastic but they have to they have to the, the dealers have to have the capability to effectively sell the product and it's a different kind of product um a, a, a tragic tale of this yeah. is, is the Chevy, and there's there's other dynamics of, of of why cars get sold and not sold but and i don't i don't want you know i i think chevy's doing some good stuff but let's call him well, out for a second i mean did i tell you about when i got my volt um i had a chevy volt at one time i'll, I'll make a super long story a little shorter and um the volt was uh bob lutz the the former head of general motors and he's just this kind of legendary auto executive um who's kind of had a love hate with tesla interestingly enough but a lot of, he tesla, has a, a lot of tesla fans just pulled out popcorn and started laughing because <laughs> he's just yes. he said a lot he said a lot of funny things about tesla over the years so we just have you know it's the right band about those and that's when these old videos come up i think if a lot of people go back 10 years ago he he was he was whistling a different tune uh there's a great there's a charlie rose episode from a, i think about 10 years ago uh where elon and bob lutz were both on have you seen it and it was a it was yeah, a bit of yeah, a it was a bit of a bromance like they're kind of yeah. bob yeah. was giving him he was telling you know the model s is just so gorgeous and this was it was, this was the alpha model s is before the production model s was unveiled but he's giving him like a lot of a lot of love and, and this was kind of the days of um revenge electric car had you know just um uh you come out in the theaters it was around that time and and he also and, said he said publicly at least a few times i think that they built the Chevy Volt because of Tesla. Like Tesla came out with the right. Roadster and he told his team who had been telling him, he's said he wanted to do electric for a while and his team was mm -hmm. telling him they couldn't. And when he saw the Roadster come out, he's like, don't tell me you can't do this when this startup from Silicon Valley can do it. You know, tell, build a car, you know, build the car. So he got really into it. Correct. That's exactly right. He basically said this small little startup from Silicon Valley can make a product like this. What are we doing? you know and and so they so they created the vault and and it was kind of his swan song it was his this is last he he really put his name behind this product and from a from the engineering standpoint is incredible given that 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 moment in time the technology it you know it's an extended range ev and it was motor trend car of the year which is the most arguably the most coveted award in the in the US auto industry it's like winning the oscar so it would lead you to think that that's their all star you know th th it was the it was the star product that bob for foretold it to be in fact in the revenge electric car uh 
he's quoted saying that electric, electric vehicles are a foregone conclusion. It's just a matter of who gets there. So, so you start seeing this and you're like, great, Motor Train Car of the Year, Bob Lutz, one of the most legendary auto executives is behind it. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing how his tune changed in, 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 the, in the following decade, uh, how he, he switched to EVs can never be profitable. It was kind of like, you know, rocking chair, eating applesauce kind of moments, in my opinion. But um, uh, so you have the star product. And so I would say, you think General Motors would have a vault in the center of the showroom with like a, dis a disco ball above it and like, you know, dry ice, fog machines and lasers. Like, like this, is, this is their star product. This is the one Bob's behind it. Motor Trend Car of the Year, you know, am amazing. But the reality of it, of it was when you tried to go to buy a Volt, at least in my experience, and I went to several dealerships, is it was tucked in the corner like a naughty child um, behind a stack of like four rows of other cars. And if you mentioned the Volt, they wanted to sell you a Malibu. And they didn't know anything about the Volt. They didn't care about the Volt, which is, this, which is strange. And of course, we can get into the whole thing about the, the, um, the, the profit market model for dealerships being this servicing of internal combustion engines and electric cars don't need this service so they don't have a financial motivation to push those products there is all of that um but given that they have to come to terms and and st start selling these products because they're superior products because then what happened later with the chevy bolt with a b uh bravo uh that was Motor Trend Car of the Year. So, and, and the, okay, well, you guys get another shot. Here's another one. What are you going to yeah. do with it? <laughs> and nothing. They did nothing yeah. with it. So, um, and, and that, this is not can't just do that your, too many more times. It's not just What's your that? anecdotes because it's been uh, documented in, in research from the Sierra Club or others. It's, it's, a, it's a systemic problem. Well, that's actually one of the funny things about Europe right now is Europe has their dealerships are not are they have a different relationship with customers over there i think they're trusted more they're not seen as like sleazy or scamming you as much i mean there's still that problem to some extent i think but it's not the same it's people are more comfortable they order a car pick it up a few months later when it arrives there's a different system in place and um so i think on the one hand you have that is not such a barrier in Europe. And then on the other hand, you have these uh, regulations now that force automakers to sell, not just have, but sell a certain, you know, decent number of electric vehicles. Otherwise they pay very big fines. Um, so instead of just having them and saying nobody wants them, they have to actually sell them. So now that they're producing enough and they're trying to sell them, they're selling them in high volumes. Um, so it sort of kills this long-standing narrative that people just don't want them. Um, it wasn't that people didn't want them. It's like they weren't really available and they were anti-sold all the time. Uh, so you have that positive story in Europe right now, which is showing potential. But then on the U.S. side, I think you have to, anyone in the industry has to see where things are headed to some extent now. And now their problem is, like you were talking earlier, how to sell, how to sell them. And you have you have a cultural problem, I think, that has grown because Anyone who's looking for something new and innovative, the next thing, you know, shifted earlier. Like people who are really interested in the next thing shifted earlier to Tesla or, you know, 
And so you have yeah, more and more of the more and more of the customer base is a traditional customers who really like the brand who are not as exploratory with technology maybe. And so you have the challenge of you have to sell them on this new electric vehicle that you're really into. And I think that the place that stands out most to me, like, there's sort of two stories. There's a Volkswagen ID story and Volkswagen is putting its whole company behind this to, to, to sell this story in Europe. So I think it's been quite effective with it. There's actually 60 billion euros invested in electrification efforts last year in Europe and 40 billion of them were Volkswagen. So we have a very corporate big approach. And then you have the story of Ford where they picked their most famous model, the Mustang, this iconic model. They not only <laughs> electrified it, they made it a crossover, which is controversial, but is what people want. So you have, you see a lot of hate from Ford fans about this vehicle. And from my perspective, it's like if Tesla didn't exist, it's probably the number one vehicle I would want. I think it's a really oh, compelling, no awesome vehicle. It's awesome. And, but, but you see this challenge that Ford is facing, especially when you look in comment threads on this some, some places. Oh, where it's, it's like they, ha they have to convince their fans that this is the next best thing and this is awesome. And I, I think it's going to come down to what it's always come down to. Like, vehicles get butts in seats. But I, it's really right. fascinating. If you can say anything more about, you know, your friend's efforts to sort of mm -hmm. to, to, to deal with this challenge, whether, I don't know if they're at Ford or, or at GM or at... Um, Fiat, like, probably not a Fiat, right? But I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> or Volkswagen or anywhere. You know, it's like how mm. how do they how are they trying to deal with this problem of cultural? I could say I could say this much: they're at the they're at the ones that are doing the the most exciting work among the OEMs. Yeah, you can put it that way. So, um, um, what I think. What I think will, I think dealerships, and, and we're starting to see this, the, the, the pandemic is, you're seeing this in like commercials from like dealerships and things now where they're basically doing what Tesla has been doing for years. It's more online and then, you know, prices are set and then you just kind of swoop in and pick up the car or the car is trucked to you. Uh, so what I think we're gonna see going forward is dealerships will become more like delivery centers where they're gonna be like the on-site broker where the car is delivered to, and then the people are gonna come in. Now, that's and if that's, they can- That's very much what happens in Europe too. Like that's, they order, correct. they get it delivered. Correct. So you have this old model, which is kind of like a, a furniture store where the people come in, they want to sit on the couch. My wife and I are going through this right now. We like, you want to sit on it and then recline on it and go back and forth. And then a person comes up and be like, Hey, you know, you really, this one has the, you know, the full memory foam and all, you know, and you want to hear all the things it can do, or you can just take a ref recommendation from a friend, uh, order it online, have it either shipped to your house or to some distribution center. And it, and it's just a different, it's a diff just a different thing. So, for for the uh, for these OEMs, first to touch on on the Ford thing, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Mustang Mach E. I would what you're saying. I actually wrote an article. I sent it to you. I think we can publish it at some point. It's on that topic where, and I can give a little preview preview of 
where it's it's provocative enough where it could work in their favor calling it a mustang because it will be this kind of like what we were talking about before where if you have these like mustang people you know these kind of you know, uh, brand loyalists, and they think this is some kind of abomination to call an electric crossover a Mustang. They're like, well, I'm going to see what this is all about, you know, because you'll see this in the, in the comment phrase, like, this is no Mustang. Heck, I got a guy on Facebook, one of my friends from Facebook, who I don't really, the way I know him is not the auto industry or tech industry. He's actually a friend of a friend from college. And, um, but he's a big car guy. And he posted, this is no Mustang. And that was this post. And, and so there's this, it, it, it touches that's this. like the most common, that's the most yeah, it, common like post under Mustang. Or, this is no Mustang or something like that. And, and, and what I tell people is you can call it a ham and cheese sandwich for all I care. <laughs> if it's great, it's great. It's great. But what can work for them is those is not a Mustang. If that touches the nerve in a way, they're like, well, I'm going to see what this Mustang is all about. That's a win because as you know, and as I know, and as electric vehicle people know, once you sit in the seats, yes, it doesn't gargle and burp and fart and vroom vroom, but it does stuff that no Mustang's ever done, you know, and they'll see that. And um, like I learned how to drive a Dodge Viper RT10, you know, a, 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 a stealth RT turbo. Very, these were performance gasoline powered cars. And people always say like, I'd hear this objection at Tesla all the time. and and the way to overcome it was very easy. Uh, people are like, I need the exhaust. I think I would miss it. And I said, I know what you mean. I love a good exhaust note. I was born and raised in Detroit, you know, Viper, you know, my, my, my dad would bring Viper lab cars home. I love a good gargle, you know, the rumble. Um, you know, you don't miss it. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, once, once the instant torque makes it all go away. And um, so the Mustang Mach-E, it might, the name might provoke enough people to, to where they get brought in. Just like when I was at Tesla and I would get the, the most staunch skeptics, like, let's see what this Tesla thing is all about. You know, I've been driving this brand for 30 years, but my, my kid won't shut up about these Teslas. So I told them I drive it. And then a half hour later, they're giving me a, a deposit for a Tesla, they're like, that was crazy. So I think that can work for Ford. In fact, I know it'll work for Ford. I think personally, and this is the first time I'm saying it, um, I think they should have called it uh, the, the, the Bronco e Maki or something, because yeah, it's a crossover. It still taps into the, the Ford heritage, uh, make it a little bit more um, uh, utility. You know, so a little more Bronco, less less sport, more Bronco. That would have resonated big time. It would have been a win-win. Um, but they made the decision they made. I have an Ford article talking Ant. about that. Just, that. They should have called it the Ford Seabiscuit. <laughs> hey, well, and, and, the, and the under. Hey, anything. Like I said, call it a ham and cheese sandwich. You know, just make sure it's but, awesome. No, but the... Go. And I've, when I when I talk, I've talked to other OEM um, project managers at OEMs, and, and of course my my former Tesla colleagues who are, are there. And the narrative is all the same that there's there's this notion from a first principles perspective when you're addressing a dealer or really anyone, but particularly a dealer, 
if, if you're in the past saying you're going to be selling an electric car, most of the time it was a compliance car. And the idea was we have to do this guys. So, and you don't really have to sell it, you know, just like the, the 500 E, you know, where, where the FCA was losing thousands of dollars, every car they sold and the, the head of the company was, was actually telling people not to buy it. So when you, when you go from that culture where they're like, oh, the electric car, the thing they don't want us to sell to now with what Tesla did, which showed that electric cars actually are, are from a superlative standpoint, using all the metrics that you measure to make a great car, they're actually the best product. So for example, the Mustang Mach-E, when you go to, when you go to the dealers, if you're trying to pitch them, it's like, hey, listen, this product, it's, it's the safest, maybe it is, they haven't tested, but it's, it's, it's gonna be quieter, more efficient, quicker, roomier, more high tech, easier to maintain, cheaper to maintain, cheaper to fuel than any product we've ever made. And we are handing it to you on a silver platter. We're handing it to you to sell. If, if you told them that, they'd be like, yes, the ultimate Ford product. It's, it's efficient, it's powerful, it's quick, it's quiet, it's high tech, it's easy to maintain, it's easy to fuel, all these things. And then you'd be like, and it's electric. What? <laughs> We'd be like, would the, would like the needle skip off the record? Like, it's like, don't, don't care about the electric part. It, you have a product, you have the most superior product you have ever had on your lot. Now sell the hell out of it. That's the bottom line from a, super, yeah. from, from, from a first principle standpoint. So uh, to get back to what you're saying, what, what my colleagues are doing is, and, and like Ford and Volkswagen are, are doing really good jobs with this, where they're, they're trying to show the public that it's not a marketing stunt. It's not a PR stunt. They truly want to make amazing electric vehicles that, that, pe that people will really love. And it's not just, a, it's not just this compliance thing. Um, and, and, you, and you see that with, when, the, when, the, when, the, when some of the executives speak, you can really tell it's not BS. It's not a company line. Uh, some of a lot of some of it is because some of them just don't know how to express their emotions, <laughs> you know. So they and so the PR people say, just say this, it'll be fine. But some of them, uh, you can tell in their eyes, like they, they it's 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 this, it's this uh, work passion. So they, so a lot of them, a lot of the Tesla people that work with these companies now are trying to do kind of tap the secret sauce that Tesla had. And that secret sauce really is a grassroots movement. So Tesla did this thing when Model S first came out. Matter of fact, it would like during this time, eight years ago, was this program is called the Get Amped program. And what Get Amped was, was a marketing event that toured the country. And it basically went to all the hot spots where there are high, high reservations where people high numbers of people made reservations for Model S. And so they can in introduce it to people who have been waiting to see it in the flesh, so to speak, but also introduce it to people who didn't know it, it, you know, it existed. It was mostly for reservation holders, but still that planted the seed for everybody else. And uh, much like these people 
all of them had never been in, in a Model S before. This is the first opportunity for anybody. And as you know, when you drive an electric car, it's better, it's better than if you've never driven one before, it's better than you, than you even think it's going to be. So, and they, and they, they so, and then they, this evangelism starts because they want to, they want to tell, they want to tell people, you know, they want to tell people about it. So the other manufacturers and, and then people got excited about it. And of course the rest is history with Tesla. So the other manufacturers, they want to show the, the, why I think this is what they want to do. And this is straight from the mouths of my former colleagues that are at these, these OEMs. And I want people who are part of the EV community to listen up because I think they're going to have a hand in it. And, and, and it is this, they want to be seen as legit, legitimate within the EV community so that people who are currently driving EVs consider these products um, like the like the ID4, uh, the ID3 looks like it's not come to the States, but the ID4, the Mustang Mach-E, um, they want current EV drivers to start evangelizing like they did for Tesla. And it's not really, well, in a way it's to, to poach people away from Tesla because Tesla is seen as the, the quintessential example of this technology. And let's be honest, it, 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 we will for quite some time. But like I said, cars are like clothes and, and you know, you can't just have one brand name because different labels are gonna appeal to different people. There's different styles, there's different ways of life, there's different aesthetic preferences. So the bottom line is variety is part of capitalism and, and, the, and the customer wins. So, so we need these other manufacturers to succeed and we need other people to buy them. I would totally buy on these, I'm the biggest Tesla fanboy there is. I would totally buy one of these products you know, if it's, if it's, if it's something exciting, if it's, if they're really, yeah. really doing something, something exciting. So yeah. the, well, I think, uh, I think my cultural problem though, what, what I was saying earlier is you had, because it took a while, you have, you have people who already, who switched to Tesla, who might not have switched a year or two ago. You have the Tesla community has gotten a, not every, you know, it's, it's, everything is too monolithic sometimes the way we talk about things, but there's, there's a, a number of Tesla fans who have gotten too close-minded and too, mm-hmm. too, too um, uh, tribal, you know, like this is their sports yes. team. They're only going to support this team. And it's, um, it's, and, and you have a problem, you have a challenge. Like there's, there's no one that's going to match Tesla on some, on performance, efficiency, range, all of these things, all metrics, you know, and mm-hmm. they don't have to, but a lot of Tesla fans will be like, you know, Hey, they don't match Tesla. It's like, okay, that's, you know, they can't, they can't match Tesla yet, but they're good enough and they're good enough to whoop anything else. But, um, but I, I think you do have this really strange challenge that what you talked about earlier with the Tesla stock actually it triggered later that the Tesla stock rise and Tesla's, you know, enormous, bigger than Exxon, bigger than Disney, Disney moment could also help a lot with these other companies because these other people who have a Ford or GM, their Ford GM or whatever um, buyer, they look at Tesla, they say, okay, really, this really, maybe I don't want a Tesla, but there's no denying something's there. So maybe I will check out that Mustang Mach-E. Maybe I will check out that Hummer EV, you know, 
And so I right. think you sort of have that kind of same awareness, you know, same thing that is going to pull people to Tesla because of that will also potentially pull people to these electric offerings. Um, and I think it really, what it comes down to is people have to experience it is like, like you said, like once, once it gets out, once these vehicles start getting out there and they start getting test drives, if dealers really put them at the front, like you're saying is critical, then that's all you need. Like all you need is for someone to sit in it and drive it. And then whether, you know, even if they've driven a Tesla, they might say, well, I love uh, the performance is, you know, similar to a Tesla, but I like the Ford brand or I like the Volkswagen brand, whatever. So you have, uh, but, the, but the big challenge is sort of breaking that barrier right now of people getting stuck in their sides. Like you have the, you know, the Tesla kind of, this is my yeah, sports the, team the people. Primal. And then you also have the people who are like sick of the Tesla story and they're sick of the Tesla fans and they want to like, well, I don't want to like anything because, because I'm sick Correct. of hearing about it. So you have, yeah. you have to sort of break that cultural challenge right now. And I'm really curious to see how they do it. But I, but I, I've from day one, I'm excited that, you know, Volkswagen's putting the whole um, company behind it. Ford has chose the Mustang as, as a launch vehicle, which tells everyone we're serious. GM now the Hummer, which is showing people like, this is no joke. This is a badass, you know, technology. We're going to have a Hummer EV. Um, so I think <laughs> they, I love I think the company's poetry. I think the companies are like behind and, and the, the, that last phase, which is funny that, you know, early Tesla people have now found that part of the process, the sales process at Tesla as the more less innovative and they, and they're going to these, they're sort of like leading edge of, of, you know, going to these companies to try to stimulate that grassroots enthusiasm. And I think that's the only way you can do it is people who really get the story have to be leading it. And, uh, well, I, I think that's exciting to hear. Um, but uh, any final words on those topics or on Energy Independence Weekend? Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say just to close on that, you know, something that was fundamentally pounded into us at Tesla, one is, particularly in the early days, because like I said, now Tesla's operation at least from a local retail standpoint, is more about administrative than innovative. So they they just need they need things to be processed and carried out, and 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 that's kind of where we're at. Which that's a great thing. They've got to that and point. Supply is yeah. greater than de is less than demand. It just yeah. so that leads yeah. to that. Correct. And 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 what Tesla is doing is the ultimate kind of grassroots is what Tesla has basically done. And you see it on YouTube and, and, and you see it with other people in the community. It's, it's, it's grassroots. Like people have learned about it from YouTube, from other Tesla spent $0 in advertising. It's people that love the product so much that they film themselves talking about it. And so people, you know, this is what we're doing right now. So, um, but what they taught us, one was, was first principles, why something works, and why it doesn't. What are the parts to make something the way it is? Why is something fundamentally true and why is something fundamentally false? And, and, and how, do you, how do you approach problem solving like that? So you go from there, first principles logic, to the mission. Tesla's mission, which they pounded into our heads from day one, which I jokingly say, you know, wake up screaming in the middle of the night is 
accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. So the, and what I tell employees at Tesla that we're just joining, or employees that were looking to go up the ladder at Tesla, and maybe they're, they're frustrated and thinking about what they can do to do that or something like that. And, and, and my path with Tesla corporately was kind of, I call it nonlinear because I just kind of hopped around <laughs> kind of wherever I, I was, you know, wherever I was needed. Um, but I would tell them, whatever you're doing, ask the question, is this helping to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy or not? Um, if something's being done to feed ego or something's being done as a, uh, a, a uh, a, a, you know, a condiment or something, something on the side that that's spin in the wheels. That's not what it's about. And when you start operating from that perspective, how to complete the mission, amazing things happen. So what we're seeing now, just to close, to wrap it up, is you're seeing employees like myself who have been with the company, who, who were there in their early years and saw this vacuum but the vacuum is not within the company because that was also how you're successful within the company. You, you didn't, and, uh, and, um, and a lot of, uh, like Claudia has talked about this, uh, a lot of the early Roadster people is you, you don't have, you never had to ask to do something. You, you find the, the vacuum and you do it and you solve, you solve the problem. Uh, that was easier to do and the company was smaller. But so now in closing, I swear, <laughs> yeah. you're seeing, we're seeing alumni of Tesla saying, well, the vacuum is external. The vacuum is now the industry because Tesla, there's a couple of things. Tesla can't do it alone. One, two, it'd be really lame if they were just Model Ys and Cybertrucks driving everywhere. It'd be this kind of like <laughs> fascist dystopian. Why does everything look the same? It's weird. All the car, everyone's driving the same car. You know, variation is is one of the, the beauties of of society. Different colors and shapes and ideas, and that comes along with products as well. You you want to see these different expressions, different ways of expressing yourself through through your products, through your clothing, through you know through appearance, through the application of technology. Um, that's what capitalism, that's the, that's the beauty of capitalism is that, is that variation. So, so they're like, well, they can't do it alone. And if we are indeed going to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable transport, we need other OEMs to, to get on board from a psychological standpoint, this is huge because when other OEMs get on board and start effectively marketing compelling electric vehicles because they have to effectively do it with a volt was compelling they weren't effective with marketing it the bolt other thing there's there's a lot of other couple few other examples where they dropped the ball but when the, when those synergies combined where they effectively market it you validate the technology which we talked about before so when 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 billy bob in wisconsin who's a ford guy and always has been and always will be when ford starts building the electric car He's like, oh, I guess electric cars have, they've arrived because Ford's doing it. The Ford that I know, the Ford that I trust, or the General Motors that I trust, or the, the Volkswagen that I've been driving, 
you know, I, I still drive my grandfather's Volkswagen with a million miles on it. Uh, oh, now they're doing electric. It's, it's ready for prime time. It validates the technology. It validates the, um, uh, the maturity of the technology. So it's not this risky science experiment anymore. It's, it's something that they, that they can know and, and adopt. Uh, and then, of course, when they see that the product is um, the antithesis of a sacrifice, it's actually the superior experience. As you know, that's the inflection point. You don't, you don't go back. When you go back to Ford the next time, it's not, you're not going back to a gas car. You, you, the, the, life, the life of that person has changed forever. Every but car they get from then on out. I think what you highlighted and, and the, the sort of reactions to the Mustang Mach-E and some others highlight is um, you have to be creative, always looking for how to solve the problem, how to fill that vacuum. You have to, the, the big challenge now is to constantly try to find a way to express that future and that narrative to the, to the cons consumer community, to the, to the world. So it's not like, oh yeah, we made this Mach-E, it's a Mustang Mach-E even. It's like it has to be hammered, it. it has to be pounded, you know, like you said. And uh, yeah, I call it the cinder and, block. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. And just, you know, touching on Europe one more time, I, I think, you know, that's happening here. That's why they've jumped from 2% to 10%, you know, it's because they're trying, because they have to try or else they pay billions of dollars in fines. But, uh, but I think, it, yeah, I think that finding, they're struggling with it still too, though. I think everyone is struggling with this. How do you creatively get yourself out there, make, consumers see you as you know as this is what you want to push more than anything but uh uh i guess we can close just with the thought um we can you know i guess we can show everyone else that elon is also horrible because he was physically um harming you guys um, pounding you with the uh, cinder blocks and that's stuff per, that's in, proverbial in that's proverbial oh no the yeah. cinder blocks no no, no 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 don't 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 <laughs> qualify your statement baby we have a good headline here we don't need any you know we need more fun exactly. in the world. Come on. Yeah, this yeah. Is, we need more click or click. Nothing's working anymore. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's all it's all gone now. No, but the um, uh, yeah. So my my yeah my closing thought. Remember, and I said there was a closing thought, and then I said twenty other things. Uh, the what is needed. Mark my words. What is needed is that same grassroots evangelism, injected, infused into the dealer system and there's like there's like 600 dealer locations around the country of any given manufacturer i don't know i'm just playing you know there's hundreds each manufacturer has hundreds hundreds and hundreds of locations around they need it's an influx from the outside they need an evangelist to come in because a lot of them are using these things like oh we're going to have an ev expert which is which is admirable um they cannot hire it from they cannot hire it they're gonna have a hard time hiring internally because uh, internally uh, there may be they may be bound by chains they don't see. Let's put it that way. So they need somebody to come come in from the outside who's who kind of lives and breathes the stuff. And what that will be is probably a local EV person who's been living and breathing it, um, who can who can uh, dissolve misperceptions. And, 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 and negotiate these around objections to get people to, to, uh, to embrace it uh, 
because as you know, a lot of reason why people buy EVs are based on information that's not true. And they need to be told that in a very diplomatic way that that's not true, uh, that, that the, what the reality of the situation is. So people will be like, oh, well, that's kind of what was holding me back. You know, like uh, the, the batteries don't last long and they catch on fire and there's nowhere to charge and they're slow. You know, and, so, and so they can, when they can have nuanced conversations like that, which what, what Tesla trained us for years to do, um, well, then it's gangbusters. They're, they're going to be selling the best, not just they're not selling electric cars, they're selling the best products they've ever sold. Um, yeah. Well, they, they have need, to do it need, to survive. They need Tesla to close their stores and all those salespeople to go over to the, the other automakers. And they can even use the line, oh, yeah, I used to work for Tesla. This is better. <laughs> just to get some cars off the lot, right? They can, they can really push it, you know? So Tesla could advance the mission further by closing those stores like it said it was going to do, yeah. But David's like, right. don't do that. It's no. Coming. My friends work in uh, store. No. It's free. Well, I think, we'll, we'll, I think, uh, I think, I think can, it's coming. I think I actually think that's coming. But uh, let's but, go on that uh, topic next, quite, yeah. next episode. Next episode, we talk about that. We get in. Yeah, Sounds good. Again. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot, David. Uh, have a happy Energy Independence Weekend and Independence Day, Independence Weekend, and uh, all of that stuff. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, drop us a note. We are looking for more clean tech leaders to highlight on a regular basis as we fund Clean Tech Talk.